0: Welcome to episode 36 of the Green and Healthy Places podcast in which we explore the themes of well-being and sustainability in real estate and interiors. I'm your host, Matt Morley, founder of Biophilico Healthy Buildings and BioFit Wellness Concepts. This week I'm in the UK talking to James Nash, founder of ActiveScore, an expert in the benefits of active travel for people and planet. He's the founder of Active School, which was once Cycling School. It's an active travel certification system for real estate developers and landlords, aiming to be a global standard for active travel. He's a serial cycling entrepreneur with 15 years of history behind him, both on the product and service side. He's an advocate for using one's own steam to get to and from work, obviously, albeit with the exception of e-scooters, which would be a kind of last minute addition to that concept, as we'll see in the the discussion. The culture of active travel as part of green and healthy buildings is driving up rents and lease lengths on the one side for developers and landlords, whilst worker demand is booming on the other side, especially in the post-COVID era. Just more people want to avoid public transport in the mornings and evenings. City planners are already specifying active travel facilities in their new buildings. This trend is not going away. In fact, I think it represents a fundamental shift in how we think about both where we live and where our workplace is in relation to where we live, and therefore how we interact with a city's transport network. If you like this type of content, please hit subscribe. Our contact details, that's both myself and for James, are in the show notes. Let's talk active travel. James, it's it's a, a hot topic at the moment, but the idea of active travel and how it aligns with perhaps distinguishes itself from just pure cycling. So why don't we start with the basics? Like how do you, as an expert in this field, how do you define the term active travel? Okay, so
1: active travel is any uh, traditional or any non motorised or you know, cars, trains, public transport, or like buses, for example, is anything that isn't that. So any small vehicle small can be a lightweight. Uh, with a very small motor like an e-scooter through to run even running walking um or cycling uh to a building uh or from a building
0: and so your background particularly then this has obviously become or has been your your area of expertise for for a while now like how did you how did you get into it like what was your path into this what's well, still relatively niche right yes it is it is niche um well the journey
1: started around about 15 15 16 years ago i should really know that um when i was at university i did a, uh, a business management degree um and uh, i went into railing and going into my final year um when i was into it i went to vienna of all places and i was just struck by how popular um cycling was there um and obviously everyone thinks of holland being very kind of bike friendly but i was quite just surprised. And it was the first time I'd seen a bicycle rental system on the street. So I just thought, bikes, you know, this is going to come to the UK at some point. Um, and it just stuck in my mind. Um, and then uh, as part of a final year uh, project, um, I had to come up with a business idea. So myself and six others in our group, if you like, at university in our final year, had to do uh, come up with a business idea. And ours was coming up with a bicycle parking uh, pr- product. Which we designed. Uh, Unfortunately, we actually it was the worst mark of our whole degree that 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 uh, that kind of uh, module, if you like. So it's quite ironic. Um, But we weren't perturbed. The two of us um, left university and we decided to set up a business uh, selling bicycle parking products. And we did that for the best part of ten years, uh, and that grew um, and made most of obviously the kind of uptick we saw in cycling across the UK over the past. Uh, we've seen it for about 15 years now. Um, But then it got to the point about four or five years ago when we saw the opportunity for uh, a certification within Active Travel. Um, So we we launched what was Cycling School and is now Active School.
0: So you've you've done both uh, sort of the product development piece as an entrepreneur and then you've moved always as an entrepreneur into more of the, in a sense, these certification systems are, are, are an attempt to lead the industry, right? Nudge it in the right direction.
1: Correct. We, we noticed that we are for, for um, um, the, the business that I still own uh, with our business partners called Bike Dock Solutions. So it's a product seller of bike racks and uh, bicycle parking products. And we noticed that we day in, day out, we were given advice to architects on how to best lay out um, cycle facilities uh, or active travel facilities within commercial and residential buildings, um, often large scale, um, sort of the skyscrapers you see all around London or any other major cities. So, so we realised there was an opportunity uh, and, and a lack of knowledge of how to do this. Um, so that was really the, uh, I suppose, the a brainwave or the light bulb moment that there really needs to be uh, an educational tool um, for the market, the real estate market. And so he started cycling school.
0: And within that, then, how do you position and, in a sense, pitch or sell the idea of of, of just how important these facilities are? Because, you know, effectively, if they're not present in the new buildings being constructed in in a city centre, wherever that may be around the UK, right, or indeed globally... If they're not there, then that limits the act, the the number of active commuters. In fact, you're playing a part in that that wider shift, right? So, is that typically the main way that you promote the importance of it, or are there other angles that I'm missing?
1: No, I think that's that's the main way. I think after a long, it's probably taken too long, but I think uh, the government or the planning authorities, if you like, have. Uh, really got to grips with this over the past 15 years in terms of how important putting in the infrastructure is into buildings so st- storage for bikes for example uh, or, or soon to be storage for e-scooters they they genuinely have um really really started to make very uh quite demanding i'd say um uh kind of requirements for bike racks um for new builds and i'll say that's really made developers get their head around, well, why are we being asked to do this? Like, w- what is the reason? Because you know, if you're a developer, you don't really want, you'd rather be putting in more flats or more retail space than putting in bicycle parking or bicycle storage. But I'd say now the, the lag It's actually like over the past 10 years, planners have been asking for it and developers have been putting it in. But now they're, because it, this infrastructure has been put in and, and the investments happened, and the culture has come through of active travel, slowly but surely, there's now a real business case for putting in good active travel facilities within buildings for the landlords, because they realise that if they put them in, they can achieve higher rents um, and longer leases for their tenants or their residents, um, because it's what people want now.
0: So you've got city planning making a certain number of of. Like- prescriptions are saying look we recommend x and how do they how do they formulate that is it sort of like per square meter per square foot calculations or is it
1: yes that's that's correct so um if it's a residential it, it varies up and down the uk and it varies across the world uh, as it should do because cycling um, and active travel cultures are different city to city country to country um, so it's important that, it, that there are different standards out there because you you don't want to be over subscribing the number of uh, bike parking spaces you should Say within a building uh, or under subscribing. Um, so it is usually made um, based on a, a figure. So it may be two, uh, it needs to be out of a block of say a thousand apartments that get built. Um, the planning authority would say we will only grant you planning permission if you provide uh, two uh, bike parking spaces per apartment. Um, and that it isn't, and um, that's the thing, these aren't kind of like, oh, we'd like you to do this, but we'll give you planning anyway. You have to do it now. So, for example, uh, 22 Bishopsgate, which is a commercial uh, development in London, it's, uh, and it's the largest office building in Europe now, has actually got 1,700 bike parking spaces within it. Um, and that is because they had to do it for planning. Hmm. So, so it goes to show. Um, and the thing is, at the moment, is that is there too many spaces in there for the use? There probably is. However, in five years' time... Or ten years' time, will there be, uh, you know, an underutilisation? Absolutely not. With the way um, active travel is going, uh, those spaces will will get filled. So there needs to be a f- an element of future proofing to these new developments that are coming along.
0: Got it. Okay. And so, who's who would you say is sort of leading the charge? Is it more planning in terms of how aggressive and, and ambitious they're being, or obviously that can be you know, geographic uh, specific to each location? Or is it more the LEED green building certifications, the BRIAM certifications, the well healthy building certifications all have a component for this in terms of recommendations. So you can get some guidance from that. And if a developer is doing those certs, then then they're in. But how do you see those two? Are they completely aligned?
1: I'd say um, overall they are aligned. I'd say out of the two who do developers listen more to, I'd say it's the planners. So the planners have the full control because at the end of the day, if you don't meet their planning requirements, requirements, they won't let you build your building. Um, so they're the most important, I'd say. Um, and the fact that, um, particularly in say London, um, they, their demands are are, are, are very they um, are very demanding. And we a lot of our clients um, often will get us involved because they want to sense check some of the numbers because they'll put in an application for planning and then realize how many bike racks they have to provide and they'll think well is this actually feasible um so often we'll work with them to get their heads around it and and to explain that yeah these are you know you can't think about these these spaces for now you've got to think of the next 10 years and then when they realize actually the the long-term value for putting in these spaces now um they're a lot more comfortable with you know, agreeing to it and, and stop stopping argument with the local authority or, or or often the planners who are asking for these to go in there however i'd say secondary to that um i suppose you, yourself you, you know how how unpopular now these green certifications are um and the health and wellbeing ones like well Lead um they're slowly but surely putting more um importance on active travel um so they're really beginning to understand its importance um in improving buildings overall whether it's for the sustainability side of things or the health and well-being side of things
0: if we if we leave the certifications aside for a minute because in a sense you know they're still privately operated private businesses that that need x number of people signing up and it and it's yeah. in their interests that as many people as possible get high grades because it sort of creates that positive energy etc cetera, etc cetera. so you know we have to take it i think with a pinch of salt but let, let's Leave that aside and I give you a blank slate on a new build construction in a yep. you know, prime location in a, mm-hmm. in a medium to large city somewhere in the UK. You apply your active score thinking, you apply what you know, and we need. what else is there beyond just bike racks and bike spaces? Because I know there's a lot more to it. When you see some of the examples on your site, I mean, you can do some really funky stuff. You could make it really interesting spaces, right? So paint us, paint us that picture
1: sure so yes yeah. so for example um in terms of overall um it's important to bear in mind as well that what makes an active of a, a really good active travel facility isn't just the infrastructure so when i say the infrastructure i mean the tangible things you can see and you can touch so they're extremely important Um so for our certification uh they're worth 70 percent of what we score however on top of that um i'll go into a bit more detail about what Makes good infrastructure in a minute, but on top of that, what is very important um, is services. So it's the softer measures within a building. So twenty percent of what we score, for example, is the active travel services. So is there a bicycle maintenance uh, mechanic that can come to a uh, to the to the building once every quarter or once every six months? Is there a laundry service provided for the tenants within a building or residents? Um, so it's these softer measures as well. So that's something else we really want to see. And the final 10% um, uh, is future-proofing. So what we want to see is that that there's a plan in place that the building has to cope with the increase in active travel that we're going to see going forward. Uh, It's so important, especially now with... The post-pandemic era where active travel has seen a real big uptick it's probably sped things up by f- at least f- probably five years in a lot of areas i'd say um in terms of the popularity so it's not just infrastructure it's the overall picture of the softer measures as well um but in terms of blank canvas infrastructure wise that's what everyone thinks of when they want to see um it needs good access um so ideally we don't want to be uh, having uh people who are going by active travel crossing with motor vehicles Um, we want to have it completely separated so their own entrance so there's no risk uh, of being hit by a car for example Um, we want security to be good so at least two layers of security because uh, unfortunately a lot of the um, methods of active travel such as cycling or e-scootering they obviously bikes are, are, are and e-scooters do get stolen very often um so security is extremely important we like to see two layers of security so it's a lot harder for someone just to get in to take a bike or an e-scooter and get out once you're inside the facility what we would love to see is a mixture of racking systems so we'd like to see um Low-level racking systems, for, um, and what this enables is for people who may not be able to lift a bike or maybe have three-wheel uh, bikes or trikes, for example, um, to be able to park their bike securely. Um, we like to see uh, e-scooter racks starting to, to, to appear, um, especially as, although they are illegal on roads now, building managers need to start thinking about them because within the next year, it's pretty much guaranteed that personal e-scooters are going to be legalised. Uh, in the UK Um, we also like to see um, if it's a commercial office space we want to see good high quality showers as well Um, that's important so that people will encourage the cycle there's no barrier there to think oh I'm not going to ride my bike this morning because I I can't shower when I get to work we want to see good good, um, shower facilities Uh, lockers are very important because lockers so that people can uh, store their items or clothing. So, for example, some people may choose to run into work and then have a shower. So what you want we want to see is enough lockers so that cyclists who want to put their helmets and their um, bike lights, or whatever it might be, in a locker, um, ha- ha- obviously do have a locker, but then we need an over-provision so that bunners uh, can actually use or uh, have a locker as well. And then on top of all of that, in terms of that's the product we'd like to see. We'd like to have a really nice look and feel um, where possible. So by this, we, you know, we want to see the spaces to be not just whitewashed blank walls that traditionally is what you get and are pretty uninspiring. We want them to look more like front of house. So if you went into uh, an apartment block or you went into the, a reception of a commercial building, we'd like to see um, the active travel spaces um, looking more like that. So some colour um, and make them inviting. Um, some of our clients have even chosen to have music playing in their active travel facilities now Um, so it really is like front of house um, as we think it should be Um, so in terms of the infrastructure that is what we'd like to see
0: it's interesting there's so much crossover with with kind of yeah I wouldn't go down into the basement necessarily and try and design (laughs) what you're designing right but look for example my one of my big things apart from trying to Always uh, squeeze in a wellness room or some kind of an office gym space, right? Where incidentally, having your facilities on the basement level, for example, having changing rooms, showers, lockers, all of that helps. Because then, if you've got, I don't know, a yoga class where you have got a gym space uh, elsewhere in the building, you then kind of double up in terms of the, the usability of those spaces, right? But then, stairwells is the other thing. I'm always stairwells, they're this hidden piece of a building, right? And we all know about the 10,000 steps. We all know like it's probably best to take the stairs, even if it's four or five uh, floors of difference to get to your next meeting, whatever it might be. But most people take the lifts. Why? Because they look like back of house. They look terrible. Nobody bothers designing them. There's never any music or plants or natural light or color. And when I saw some of the examples of the, the bike spaces that that you, you reference on the site, it really it connected in that same way, which is trying to make the experience. And it's... It's often underestimated, right? But if you make the experience a pleasure and and visually dynamic, it just it, it makes the whole thing easier and more appealing. And you can do the same with stairs. And it sounds like you're doing it with these sort of uh, cycling entrance and departure zones. It, it, you're absolutely
1: right, and and it, it, it doesn't really. Oh, in years gone by. It made sense to have. Um, spend all this money on reception areas and have all these amazing artworks and think, God, isn't this you know great? Um so people going in have thought, oh yeah, this is lovely. But then for years, people, you could have the, I don't know, it could be uh MD of Deutsche Bank who's in your building will actually cycle to work and they're literally parking their bike in the bins near the bin storage under the under the building. And it doesn't really make any sense because if you're a landlord of that building, you want to keep them that bank there in and so you need your whole building to be a nice experience however there's i can guarantee 90 percent of buildings in london probably is very much still like that despite how much effort's been made and how things are changing um so it's the whole whole the whole building needs to be a good experience and if it is, it's less likely tenants or residents are going to leave um and you might be able to charge them more
0: so the, the, the sort of financial side is is always present right and i saw always always you know it, it, nobody wants to spend much money on on the stairwells for example nor on i'd imagine the basement uh bike facilities uh, but there's so much you can do with with a lick of paint and some vinyls right it doesn't have to cost the world you don't need original artworks uh you can make it look kind of funky
1: you, you're absolutely right, and um, I think yeah, the, the example I think you're referring to is the uh, on our website is the Castle Me building in in Bristol, which I think you would have seen, um, and that there that, that building, which is a hundred out of a hundred scoring buildings, which is amazing, was actually built originally in the 1980s. Um, so what's amazing is that a lot of the the, the kind of traditional thinking is well, I've got an old building, there's not really any point making any effort because, you know, all these new builds can come along and just put bike racking in and make them look great. But in reality, that's not the case. The investment really isn't anywhere near as much um, as what I think a lot of developers or a lot of existing landlords are building to think it is, Um, especially when you consider the benefit of it in terms of long-term to... Not uh, business case in terms of how to keeping people, tenants happy or attracting tenants because you know there's a, there's a, there's, there's a lot of movement as always in, in real estate of people coming and going um, so it helps to kind of give yourself the be- very best chance if a building or a company taking space knows their employees are going to have a great experience when they get into work parking their bike, having a shower, going for a run at lunchtime, um, whatever it may be.
0: So it's an investment in a sense right because it's not going to need to be changed that much but it, yeah. you can also spread it out you just put it in your capex budget spread it out over i don't know five years before it needs another lick of paint i guess But yep. if you look further down the line if you kind of you know gaze into your crystal ball in terms of hmm. where active travel and therefore active score as a, as a certification system is going to go over the next 10 20 years yeah what are your predictions like where is this all leading us i i think i think if if it's if it's been
1: anything, if, it, if we go, if we can kind of or try very hard, which is not is difficult to forget about the pandemic. If we went up to the pandemic and what I've seen in, in terms of the increase in active travel in the uh, twelve or so years up until that point, um, I'd say most commercial buildings certainly and residential because of what was happening with planning anyway would look completely different. The the, the facilities would be so much better. Um, just because of the way culture and people were, were naturally shifting across to active travel. As I said, I think the pandemic's maybe going to actually take somewhere along this line five years out of that, in terms of it's going to make it happen so much quicker because um, we're seeing now the, the levels of people going into work by bike, even though people just started going back into London, for example, or Bristol or Manchester. Um, clients are getting inundated with. Um, cyclists in particular, uh, people wanting to use the active travel facilities. So crystal ball-wise, I'd say it's going to be completely different. Quantity-wise, I don't know, Um, but I I wouldn't go far to say you've got a building like 22 Bishopsgate being built in central London and they're having to put 1,700 spaces in. Their square footage is around about 1.3 million, I believe. I might be wrong on that, but it's not far off. I would say that if five years time, that, that 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 they'll be asking for at least two and a half thousand bike racks. I can't see how they won't be, um, possibly three thousand. Um, so it kind of shows where we're going to go um, overall.
0: You mentioned in uh, a previous comment about the the well building standard, which is one that you're particularly involved in, as I understand. So, what does your role? Uh, look like there how you're you're particularly focusing on the active travel active transportation is that the the gist of it
1: that's that's correct um and so in, in particular with well it's the fo- more of a focus on the cycling side of things because that's what they tend to look at uh at the moment ma- mainly at um so i'm an advisor to them on um the movement side um of the well certification um so they they've certainly um over the past five years taken more uh i wouldn't say more of an interest interest is the wrong word but they realized it's more important than it was before um so that that's why they're 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 great in that they always any subjects they've got so many advisors and they always try and cherry pick uh people who are seen as an expert in an area and to work with them uh, to help them develop their standard out um, so that's what i've done um, over the past few years um, but they're a really good example of uh, a certification and they're all doing the same Grisby, um are, do, are doing the same uh, Briam are doing the same leeds which is obviously more popular in the states are, are, are doing exactly the same as well
0: well it's a it's a great seal of approval in a sense for you to be uh, chosen singled out for that yeah. And the, yeah, no, it about, is. It really is. You, you, it's interesting, the model that you have, because you also, whereas perhaps some of the other certifications are pure certification businesses, although they may just have a separate business that then sells conveniently uh, air quality <laughs> monitors or uh, air purifiers or living wall systems or any other number of products. Yep. That we're not mentioning any, no, we're, <laughs> we're not mention <laughs> well, any names, though. Hey, listen, uh, I'd do it. I for sure. But you you've, you've yeah. kept it a little closer, right? Which is that you, you also yeah. offer some design consultancy services. Now, you know, I see it in the world of kind of, of, of how to integrate healthy co- design concepts into commercial buildings. And you know, an architect surely or an architect studio, even the biggest ones, they can't be experts in everything. So like, what what gap are you filling there?
1: You're absolutely right. Um your last comment about can't be an expert in everything. Is really why Active Score exists, um, because architects, I would say, are, um, collectively are extremely good at what they do. Um, but there's no way they can have the knowledge that, say, we do on active trail facilities because we spend day in day out do, uh, doing it. So there's just no way they can have the same knowledge. So what what kind of worked really well for us is ultimately we w- when we started the certification we realised that the certification was really going to work well because it enabled um, buildings to uh, get educated, I guess, and work out how good their facilities are uh, and, 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 allow, and, and allows buildings to who've got good facilities to have a seal of approval and use it as a marketing tool. But also the certification allows buildings that maybe aren't so good at the moment and aren't scoring particularly well to go on a journey with us over a period of however many years, um, to over time improve their facilities and subsequently improve their score. Um, however, we also realized that, yes, there is a, um, a slight knowledge gap um, in terms of designing actual facilities so that's why we wanted to have a design service alongside that so if we have a client that's working on a new development or they want to undertake a refurbishment project uh, potentially for an existing building um, we can work with them to help them uh, and their design team to to produce the very best facility possible uh, with the space they have and the budget they have etc etc and then certify afterwards as well So. It's working extremely work well. Um, and I'd say we tend to work, most of our clients on the design side, we're working with clients' architects um, rather than us doing the job of the architect, which, yes, we can do, and we did do that for that building in, in Bristol. Um, but most of the time, we work alongside a client's existing architect um, to ensure the very best outcome for the active travel facility.
0: Okay, so just to be 100% clear, the client, the developer, then – Recom- the, the developer would initially say look we're, we're signing up for the certification for example one way in and then we think yep. the architects need a bit of extra help or is it architects who are saying okay this client's going for the certification we have a knowledge gap and they come and seek you out or is it a bit of both
1: it's a, it's a little bit of both i'd say it's it's probably weighted a little bit more to the client um from the developer or the client will say will turn around to their architect and say have you heard this certification we want this um and we want to score the very best we can um and then the architect is more than happy to work with us um and take our advice so that they can score the very best they can uh, and and achieve overall what it's all about the best outcome
0: very cool and how do you price it i mean what the, the certification system itself how do you scale that Yes, so the certification,
1: we think it's pretty good value. I mean, it's a yearly fee um, of £1,195 for the certification. Um, And we have a two-year licence period. Um, So a client would have to sign up for a minimum of two years. So it works out to be um, yeah, just just under £2,500 in total as a commitment Um, and over that period we'll work with them to try and improve their facility Um, and after the two years if they wish to renew it um, then um, that's what will happen and hopefully they'll score uh, even better next time around Um, and it's the idea is it's almost like an insurance policy i guess for the client so that while active travel is obviously taking off more so and increasing year on year they don't get left behind Um, so that's the certification um, and in terms of the design advice, where we work with an architect, we charge £3,000, um, and that includes the design advice, workshops with their architect, and a two-year certification period as well.
0: And are you going down the path of trying to create a, a loose network of, of what, what in the industry is often referred to as like APs, so like Associated Professionals, or your kind of representatives in the field they you've been through some kind of an online training course?
1: Exactly that. So uh, we've literally launched it in the past month. Uh, we call it a little bit of a soft launch um, so far um, uh, because we it's new, uh, it isn't finished. We're actually not charging for it um, uh, because we want to just make sure the offering is as good as it can be. Um, but ultimately, we do see it being Obviously useful for us in terms of being able to um, scale ActiveScore um, internationally, um, but also we think it would be an extremely useful tool um, for people who want to get more educated on the subject. So architects who are going to be working on the active trail facilities, uh, project to project, for example, I think this would be really, really useful for um, because we'll take them through um, the over, uh, you know, what makes a good facility, uh, and be able to keep them up to date with trends. So, for example. Um, e bike rack, e bike charging racks are coming in, e scooter charging racks are coming in. um They're just two new things that architects currently will know very little about or where to get them from. So, we can help them with that. Um, so, um, yeah, the AP program, we do think, although it's new, we do expect it to be very good for us.
0: Nice. So, people looking to learn a bit more, what's your main channel in terms of communication? Do you see more updates on the website? You're more on social, LinkedIn? What's your preferred route? Sure. I mean, please, um, jo- jo- you can drop me an email directly. I'm um,
1: james at activetravelscore.com um, or in- inquire through the website. Uh, I'm also on LinkedIn quite a lot and we've got a very, very active, um, Active Score LinkedIn page as well. So we tend to be very busy on there. It's our main way of uh, letting the market know about us. So please f- feel free to reach out however you wish. Awesome. James, thanks for your time. Thank you very much. Been a pleasure.